welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. We welcome into the show a return appearance from the Grandmaster himself, Yahoo Sports' Eric Edholm. Uh, covers the draft and much more for Yahoo Sports. What is up, sir? How are you? I'm all right. I'm recovering from the combine. I'm sorry we didn't get to hook up down there in Indianapolis, but uh, a good time was had. It was a lot of work. It was... Uh... You know, my second uh, work trip in in a three week period, which is pretty rare these days. So this is uh, this is busy times, but fun. Yeah, no, I, I really uh, enjoyed getting back to going somewhere to do something for <laughs> right. the job. You know, aside from uh, it was hard to have any sort of fun like on the road covering games with all the COVID stuff and everything yeah. else. Um, and even then, we couldn't go in locker rooms, so we could only do press conferences. And with this, it felt like and and I don't want to say that COVID is over completely. I don't right. want to like jinx it, but it almost felt like ah yes, the world someday will look like this again with all of us. Uh, you know, together covering things. And I, I think that everybody sort of came out of there being like, oh yeah, that's right. Human interaction isn't so terrible. It's a good thing, right? And I always felt like, you know, I remember Matt Mosley who used to be work for ESPN. Now he's doing radio in uh, in Texas. And I did a show the other day, kind of made me think of him. He, he had a good line years ago. He said, you know, I, I feel like the combine is for the media. Like, I think it's, it's like, you know, our time to kind of shine. Yes, we, we work hard, but we also sort of, you know, see people that we only typically see once or twice a year. And now it's been a couple of years since a lot of us have, have met up in person. And so, but you and I still have like a couple of year streaks since we actually crossed paths. So we'll, we'll work on we, that. We have been there and yeah. in, even in the same room at the same time, Crazy. but never <laughs> like people don't, you know, when you look on TV, you just see the podium, but what you right. don't see is that it is a massive humanity. Yeah. So I saw you and I tried to give a little wave, but hey. I mean, like, that's like, you're like, there's like 40 people in between us. And if there's anything that could change, maybe it's just the number of reporters that end up being stuffed into one spot. It's like, there's so many people that are showing up there now to do this, right. that maybe uh, years ago, there would have been like five reporters there, but now there's like 50 people in the same room. So it gets a little hectic. There's all the people broadcasting like CBS sports and pro football talk and all that stuff. Yep. So it's, it's kind of a, a mess. And, uh, but next year we'll get together or when uh, maybe when I'm covering some bears games. Absolutely. So here's what I want to do. I want you to tell me if I'm crazy for thinking blank. I've got Abs a absolutely. Of, oh, a you, want, you have to lay it yeah. out first. Sorry, a bunch okay. of things that I think, <laughs> and I want you to tell me if I'm crazy for thinking them. Okay. Am I crazy for thinking that the weak quarterback draft will produce four first round draft picks? Not crazy. I mean, I've always said that just the need alone, right, is – you know, we, we just saw a couple of days ago the desperation level of, of the Washington uh, commanders paying for Carson Wentz. And, you know, there's some free agent options who probably aren't that big of a uh, step down. But they said, no, we want to send draft picks for Carson Wentz with the hope that, uh, you know, that he could turn into something. And I think it's reflective of what's left and also what the the the, the class bears. And so there's, there's that level of uh, the draft class, what I meant, they, that just sort of outlines the level of desperation second rounders become first rounders at that position every single year I mean we see people overdraft and you know I mean I, I get it right and so if you assume that Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are you know almost unless they you know hold up a, a school bus between now and April 28th right I'm kidding of course but um, you know they're going in the first and then 
you know, there's been some Desmond Ritter buzz. There's been so is one of those kind of, you know, Teddy Bridgewater-ish 30-second pick type deals. Um, and then, you know, if Matt Corral has a good pro day, don't dismiss the value of a pro day, whether you and I think it should be worth something or not. You know, I was talking to a, a very well-respected talent evaluator this fall. He said, oh, yeah, pro days matter. And, and uh, you know, I can get into the details of that at some other point. But, yeah, it was if, if he goes out there and throws well and looks good, and he could be in the mix. Sam Howell could be in the mix. You know, so that's five potential guys. I don't think Carson Strong will, will merit a first-round pick at any point. But, you know, five possibilities. If you told me four got snuck in there, no, I, would, I wouldn't be stunned. What is Matt Corral, by the way? Because I just feel like, uh, you know, I've been watching a little JT O'Sullivan QB school and I'm seeing lots of RPOs and getting the ball out pretty quickly to guys running seam routes and things like that and slants. But I'm not seeing too much of, wow, what a play by Matt Corral. And maybe it goes back to a little bit of the Mac Jones thing where you wanted more wow from Mac Jones, but it turned out that being able to just execute first reads in the NFL is pretty darn good. Right. I just, I don't have any feel for because we don't have combine numbers on him. Like, is he actually fast or is he just kind of college fast? Like, does mm-hmm. he actually have a, a big arm or not? Like, tell me more about Matt Corral. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a little bit of a tricky study because of the offense they played in. I mean, it obviously made him and, you know, everybody else, the other 10 guys who lined up pretty productive, right? They scored a lot of points. Lane Kiffin, I think, has, you know, refurbished his image as one of the best play callers and play designers in college football. And so, you know, you don't want to have that be a negative against the player. But at the same time, when you see so much RPO stuff, when you see so many predetermined reads or half-field reads, uh, when you see this, you know, highly scripted offense where he often isn't going beyond one reading the progression. You kind of wonder, right? When it when there were times this season compared to 2020, when you when you saw Corral try to you know improvise, make plays off schedule, they weren't as effective. I mean, for every you know there was a there was a brilliant throw he made against Alabama. It was a tough day, but you know, I mean, he he had a couple of throws that make you think, okay, all right, I can I can do that. I can work with that. Um, but he does have a smaller frame, like you meant, or you know, like you asked about the athleticism. I don't know that he's going to make his living as a runner in the NFL. Kyler Murray can do it with a smaller frame because he's got unbelievable acceleration and, and juking skills and things like that. That's not Corral, but he's more of the Zach Wilson type of runner. You know, if the opportunity is there, you take it, and you can use your feet to buy time and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely ambivalent. I mean just lacks some of the, the, the physical traits, but more consider, concerned about the fact that, you know, th- this offense probably propped him up in a lot of ways, and, and he's not nearly as gifted in a rare way like Malik Willis is. So I'm, I'm still kind of holding back my, uh, my praise for him a little. All right, how about this one? Am I crazy for thinking that if Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are taken before the Minnesota Vikings pick at 12, that they should either just trade down if they want a quarterback or Mm -hmm. even wait to see who drops? Because this kind of reminds me a little bit of the 2015 draft with Garoppolo, with Derek Carr, where there's quality prospects that don't have the ceiling or upside, but you could see it. You could see why they would work out. You could also see why a lot of teams would be like, no, I'm not investing my first round pick in that guy. Yeah. I mean, I I think 
there are it's funny that you know i've i've polled a, a number of teams some who need quarterbacks some who don't you know some who are you know kind of in the middle where they, they may need one but they're not sure yet or that sort of thing um or if the right one is there that sort of deal uh, all over the quarterback needs spectrum and there, there's a there's maybe a little bit more appreciation than people realize because maybe it's been reduced down to the fact that, oh, talk radio has said, oh, this is a terrible quarterback class or, you know, draft Twitter is, is, is completely um, bemoaned this, this group of talent. I, I don't know that it's that terrible. So the question you'll have to have is like you just laid out at 12, is there somebody not named Willis or Pickett that you're really fired up about? You have to have some conviction. I would think this is not a, a, a Christian Ponder situation where you're heading into a lockout or you're in the midst of a lockout and you need a quarterback, right? So there's there's not that level of desperation, but at the same time, there clearly is is something that, you know, I I would be more of the trade down or wait till round two opportunist kind of pick. Uh, maybe it requires a little bit of a leap up in 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 the second, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those years where. While the, the class may not be terrible, I don't know that there's more than one or two guys that you can really, truly get kind of pumped about uh, taking in the first round. I was looking at recent history of second round picks and of the last 15, five of them became either something right. or almost something like I even put Jalen Hurts as maybe almost something mm -hmm. in there. And it was. Yeah, it was not a really good hit rate. So that's the thing that's that's tricky because it's like if the NFL evaluates them as a first round pick, they have a pretty good chance of being successful, right? Yep. Relative to whatever other first round picks you'd have. But as soon as you get past everybody thought he wasn't special, it's true. You're hoping for Derek Carr, you're hoping for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's really the best case scenario. But there's a lot more Jimmy Clausens than there are even of Derek Carr's. Yep. Um, so uh, I'm going to run through the quarterbacks and, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with grinding the mocks, which takes yeah. all, all the, uh, Benjamin Robinson grab and, uh, he grabs all of the mocks and then tracks where players are expected to be picked. I just want you to give me over under on these quarterbacks. Sure. So he's got right now Malik Willis from gathering the mocks where the expectation is as the ninth pick in the draft, uh, over or under ninth. Yeah, and I get why it's ninth, obviously, because of the the Seattle trade now, and they're in that position, and they need a quarterback. Nobody's counting on Drew Locke, so yeah, it, it wouldn't stun me if it's very close to that number, right? And Carolina at six would figure to be the first, assuming the order stays as it is. We know that trade ups are, are always a possibility. You know, that's really the one team ahead of them. The Giants could obviously be in that conversation with Daniel Jones too, and and I suppose the Falcons could could, you know, talk themselves into it with one more year of Matt Ryan, and then they move on or that sort of thing. But you know, it's not as if there's a lot of of quarterback hungry teams just breathing down their neck, right? There's Jets at ten; they got their guy last year. Washington just got uh, Wentz, you know. Then it's Minnesota, Cleveland, and I think Baltimore after that. So. You know, I mean, it's going to require a pretty big trade up from that, like the 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 Saints Pittsburgh area at the bottom of of the the the, the twenty, you know, the the top twenty, I should say. So, I I guess I can see it, but they're a little bit on an island there too. I, I kind of wonder if maybe, uh, you know, some team would be willing to move ten picks up in round one to leapfrog uh, the the Seahawks at nine and go higher, but. 
Yeah, that's about where I would probably put it. Okay, side, am I crazy for thinking? Am I crazy for thinking if the Detroit Lions traded down a few spots and picked Malik Willis, that would actually be really good for them? Yes and no. I mean, could it be good for them? Yeah. And, and they've sold themselves into Jared Goff for this year. You know, he finished strong, and they, they kind of liked, you know, what they saw from him down the stretch. You know, week 10, we were – or week – eight or nine anyway, we were saying, boy, this is going to be a one-year thing. This is going to be like what Wentz was in, in the Indy. Um, but it didn't end up turning out that way. I think he kind of toughened up and, and won some people over. But nobody's having the illusion that this is Jared Goff, you know, coming out of college and he could be a still be a number one pick type of guy. I think they were fascinated, fascinated by Willis. I also got the impression, and maybe this was, you know, them doing a little misdirection, but the sense I got was that it was more likely for them to go like the Ritter route at 30. What do they have? The 32nd pick in the, in the, the last pick. Yeah. From the Rams. Yeah. That route felt more likely when I talked to them at the senior bowl than the two or move down from two and grab somebody. Plus I don't know who would help, who would move up the two. I do know that they're not excited at the fact that Aiden Hutchinson could end up being the number one pick. I think they'd love him <laughs> to come to, to them at number two and be that, that Chris Long type of player. So it's possible. Maybe the percentage is a little higher than it was, you know, even a, a week or two ago. Well, having multiple first round picks is I think a good argument for them. And also with Malik Willis, it just feels like you have to look a year down the road. Absolutely. And if you're doing that, then you can draft him. If he looks great in his year as a backup and training camp preseason, and you feel confident, you could turn the ball over to him after a year. And if not, then you can draft another one the next year because you're probably winning like six or seven games. Yep. And then you'll still be in position to potentially trade up or whatever else you need to do uh, next year. Or, I mean, they could even be so bad again that they're picking CJ Stroud or something, right? And they so, have multiple firsts next year too still, you know? So they're, they're, they're in a great position to not feel the need to reach this year. I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way. I hope I didn't, uh, you know, you were able to finish your thought there. But I think that's the, the vision is that, Look, if if somebody's there and we love him and it's in a smart place in the draft, we'll take him. Beating if you're if you're Detroit, and I think Brad Holmes is is going to be very picky and patient at that spot. I mean, I, I think they love to find somebody in this draft, but if they don't, they're not going to sweat it because they have 2023 in their sights with that with that possibility, Stroud or, or any of the other quarterbacks who can come out. Yeah, I just think it's always smart to draft the quarterback, even if you don't believe in him, which is a weird thing to say. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, Washington felt like they needed Chase Young. You got to get the edge rusher, got to get Chase Young. And of course, it could have been Tua and then we'd be going, I don't know, is he good? Is he not good? But if it was Herbert, I mean, then we'd be talking about Washington commanders Super Bowl potential this year. Yep. And instead, we're talking about them having freaky Carson Wentz as their quarterback and hoping to win nine games. So. Right. And Young coming off a somewhat disappointing year. Like, he was great as a rookie and sort of took a step back last year. So, I get it. The positional importance is, you know, outsized completely from every other spot, including edge rusher, including corner. Those, are, you know, left tackle or what have you, hard to find spots. But there is one position that is hardest to find of all. And like you said, the more darts you have and the more opportunities, it, it's not the craziest thing to just sort of carpet bomb until you get it right. All right, let me go through these quick, uh, these other uh, grinding the mocks and where the quarterbacks uh -huh. are expected to go. Uh, Kenny Pickett right before the Vikings at 11, over under on Kenny Pickett at 11. 
Yeah, that obviously changes. I'm sure a lot of people had him going to Washington at 11, right, coming into that. I'm sure that weighted the average a little bit. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Willis go ahead of Pickett, even though I have Pickett rated slightly higher. You know, it's it's hard for me to rank these guys league-wide and all that stuff, while also acknowledging that, you know, my number three quarterback could be the first one drafted. So, um, yeah, I, again, it's like if, if Pickett, let's just say Willis goes ninth, right? you know, like we talked about before, then all of a sudden the Jets are, are getting a ton of phone calls for trade down. So are the, so is Washington. And so, you know, Minnesota's got to be on their toes. Any other team potentially looking for that guy, they've got to be thinking about, hey, what what will it take to move up? So, I mean, it's it's a little crazy to play the over if Willis is the nine, ninth pick, but, you know, they, that's that's not wild. I could see it playing out similarly to that. See, I think that uh, the commanders should still do it at number 11 with Kenny Pickett if that if he's there, because trust me, by this time next year, Carson Wentz will have irritated everybody there, too. <laughs> I mean, if if you do it yeah. once, right? So yeah. if you do it once, okay. Uh, it's like if you get divorced once, fine. If you're divorced twice, I got questions. We see a pattern <laughs> developing here, right? Yeah, we, <laughs> right. We you're getting a little bit of a reputation, right? Uh, I actually knew a guy who got divorced five times once, and I oh, thought wow. at that point, you, like, it's almost a source of pride. Like, yeah, I, don't, I just really don't care what anybody else thinks, and, you know, God bless them, I guess, so. I've only had one girlfriend slash wife in my entire life. So, okay. I, I mean, I, yeah, uh, smart I, man. I mean, like you, you got, you hit your home run. You found your Patrick Mahomes and you kept him, you know, her. So that's, that's the way to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. I drafted her deal. with the number one overall pick and then I uh, locked her to a long-term deal. Yes. Um, her cap hit is a little high, but uh, so <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> uh, Matt Corral, 26th. I, that, that one's in flux again. It was, you know, it was disappointing that he wasn't able to throw at the combine. Is that going to, you know, tank his draft stock? No, I would, you know, two weeks ago or even pre senior bowl, I probably would have said, I think under is, is a real good play, but I don't know that 26 that's Tennessee, right? Again, I know you're, you know, anything could happen trades and whatnot. You know, the Titans, I think are, are, team that that might look quarterback right they were clearly disappointed with ryan Tannehill. i would think that you know corral you know has a little toughness is a little bit of a chip on his shoulder a little edgy guy i think he could hang with with mike vrabel and the and the criticism he he doles out um you know I, that, that's interesting spot just the pick itself but my my gut still says the over right now uh, you know, without knowing where the other quarterback dominoes fall. Right now, I feel like that number might be a, a tad low, but I'm not sure. So we've got uh, Ritter at 31 and Howell at 38. I don't expect you to know who's drafting 38, but uh, well, hold based- on. Me, well, the, the Bears? Oh, okay. No. Yeah. I think that's 39. Actually who no, they're 39. 39. Okay. okay. I was close. I, I, don't say, know I was about to be very impressed if you had uh, memorized it through 38. No, I, I, well, it's funny because I did like a partial second round mock. And so I'm like, who did I put in that spot? I can't remember. I'm not that good. Yeah. Well, 30. So Howell is the only second rounder uh, out of this group. And then okay. Ritter at the very back of the first round. Oh, actually, I do know who's at 38. And I know I, I funny because I actually got a text about this from, uh, I think it's the Panthers. I think they have the Jets. Hmm second round pick in that spot if i'm not if i'm wrong you can clean it up later but yes i think that's the darnold pick right the the darnold pick right Mm -hmm. exactly so they get the 
they got the pick back, right? I guess the irony would be if they if they use the quarterback with that uh, uh, with that selection, and and you know, I mean that you said Sam Howell, right? Obviously, geographically, it would be kind of fun, right? The 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 kid from uh, from just down the road, and clearly they didn't need an upgrade. I think Carolina is still going to try to go bigger than that. And I think the veteran route feels, you know, like a real possibility here. But you know, let's say they're you know, in the game of musical chairs, the one standing at the end, like you just have no choice. You've made good offers. You've tried to do this. You've tried to do that. Maybe a guy like Howell at 38 works out. So I would be inclined to say that that number could be in the forties when come draft day, just because of how things shake out. But, you know, to that team, it makes a little bit of sense. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right, at SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports inspired apparel. You can get 15% off just by using the code Purple Insider. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So uh, let me transition to the Kirk Cousins and Vikings situation and ask yeah. you about that because um, yeah, what do you think is reasonable compensation that the Vikings should be looking for? Because you just mentioned how this game of musical chairs, the music's going to stop and there will be somebody who goes, oh no, Deshaun Watson is on trial and we yep. can't trade for him. Uh, oh no, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo landed somewhere else and we don't really want Jameis Winston coming off an ACL or Teddy Bridgewater or whoever else. And we're on the hot seat. So we need to trade for Kirk cousins. If you're the Vikings, you don't necessarily need to trade him away, but in a lot of ways you kind of do because if you want to spend any money on any players, or if you want to, you know, get something back for a guy who's not going to sign a long-term extension with you anyway, which there's more buzz and more reporting that cousins is saying, I'm not signing a long-term extension right now. And he wants to hit free agency. So you're, and I think that you don't even get a comp pick uh, at this point with the amount of years that cousins has played or something like that, Mm. um, that I'm not even sure that you get a a comp pick if cousins just leaves. So the point just being that like, there's a lot of reasons for teams to trade for him. There's a lot of reasons for the Vikings to trade him, but with the contract situation, it's very hard to figure out what reasonable compensation is. I agree. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And, and, you know, you got to have the right team with the right cap situation and the right, you know, uh, desire for a quarterback to have it all kind of match up. I mean, that that's, I would say the biggest, you know, impediment or whatever. And we, you know, we did just see a couple teams uh, 
clear up space. Obviously, the Colts would be one. You know, the, the crazy thing about the Colts, let's say they're they're interested in Kirk Cousins and start, you know, make a phone call to Minnesota. I mean, I believe this is now going to be the sixth year in a row where they've had a different opening day starting quarterback. I mean, it just, you know, the, the lack of cohesion, obviously the early retirement by Andrew Luck really was a, a curveball that I don't even think the Colts saw coming, obviously. And, um, you know, the other big cap teams, though, seem relative, you know, Jaguars, uh, Dolphins, um, Bengals, who am I forgetting? You know, the, the teams with a lot of cap space, pretty set at quarterback, or at least they feel like they are. Seattle is interesting. <sighs> I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth and trying to figure out, A, where could he go? Where would be a good spot for him? Like you mentioned, what would the what would the compensation be? Because I really don't have any idea. That's that's kind of the the, the scary prospect is that you know, you're, you're, are you trading for one year? If that's the case, even with a strong desire to get a, a quality passer, you're getting what? Uh, is he 35 roughly? 35. He's gonna years? be 34 when he starts next season. Okay, so 34, turning 35. I mean, yeah, with a, the cap hit, I know you can work with with that a little bit but still with the one year left there's only so much you can do 40 plus million dollars that's a that's a big ask so i really don't have a great feel for a who could be willing to pay the price the vikings need b you know would they feel like they got their long-term quarterback based on what you just said and his desire to you know, maybe test the market a little bit. I really don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough call. You know, Miami is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I have not thought of them at all until this. But if the Vikings were trading Cousins for Tua, if they just did not believe oh, wow. in Tua at all, yeah. And Mike McDaniel, who is obviously close with Kyle Shanahan, who great point, Kirk Cousins, right, right, yeah. right. Like, is it not the exact type of quarterback that they're looking for? Tons of cap space. It uh, is also a place where I think there's an expectation now to maximize the playmakers on that roster, which I don't know that Tua can do. And if you're the Vikings, if you're trading for Tua, you end up with a youngish quarterback that you're not locked into at all. He could play this year competently, give you a chance to win games and then move on. Like the, the whole concern here from people is, is Justin Jefferson going to demand a trade if you get the wrong quarterback? <laughs> yeah. The answer is no, he's not. But I mean, Tua was able to get uh, Jalen Waddle the ball last year. It's not yep. like you know he can't do it at all. I I wouldn't dislike that at all for the Vikings, and maybe that's a connection that I just haven't made yet. Yeah, I mean, obviously it would it would be, it would be a huge story, right? And, and it would it would it would demand a lot of uh, follow up questions, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, it on the surface for the reasons you just laid out, it makes some sense there, right? We assumed you know, that when Kyle Shanahan landed in San Francisco, the, the guy he was going to, you know, go hell for leather to try to acquire was was Kirk Cousins, right? That was his guy, everybody said. And so you you have somebody who I believe was on staff, right? I think McDaniel was spent – I'm trying to remember. Did he go to – did he start with Shanahan in Cleveland or was he in Washington before that? I think, again, he was a low-level assistant if he was. But still, I mean, there's some familiarity with him somebody he's seen probably a million cut-ups of running that same scheme, um, you know, emphasis on the run game. They're going to put all these resources into improving the offensive line. You know, it could be a really good s- situation. And 
I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's so funny with Kirk because, like, you look at the numbers, and there's a little bit of Wentz-ish argument with this too because, you know, Wentz had a 27-7 TD interception ratio a year ago. You know, Kirk Cousins' numbers, as you know, are you, they hold up to almost anybody in the league, but there's always this sense that, you know, what's missing? <laughs> what does he have that 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 what does he not have that that other teams uh, recognize and, and are not willing to sort of treat him as one of those elite quarterbacks? So I don't know. I mean, that's that's always out there, and there may be enough of a hang up where that doesn't happen. But they've said they're behind Tua. We'll see. We'll see. their actions will uh, ultimately determine their their intentions. I think with the numbers, what Kirk Cousins does is he reveals the shortcomings in your box score numbers more than those yeah. numbers tell you the truth about who he is. But I thought it was really interesting, and this goes for kind of the quarterbacks in the draft too, where uh, Cousins on his first read is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Anything else, he sinks down to one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, he was He was on par with Taysom Hill when anything else happens. In terms of the EPA, that that means a check down. It means scrambling. It means second, third read. Yep. And I think that with those Shanahan guys, they always like that player for some reason. You know what I mean? They yeah. think like, we'll just dial up that first read better than we'll everybody. We'll scheme else, it up. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the last thing I have. Well, I, okay, two more things. Sorry, if you're busy. Sure, uh, no, it's good. Okay. Uh, number one, are there other players in the draft? Like we've spent, I think we've so. spent so much time on the show and I'm uh, not apologizing on right. the quarterbacks uh, because I think the Vikings are very realistic to draft a quarterback in the, you know, in the coming weeks. But um, if they're not drafting a quarterback sitting at 12 corner edge rusher, mm-hmm. maybe even wide receiver, if something happens here with Adam Thielen, like what are we looking at in terms of quality of prospects? Probably the the three deepest positions in the draft this year, I would say. You know, you could make a case for, I suppose, like offensive tackle or tight end, like in terms of just pure depth, right? Not the high-end talent, just how many, how many serviceable NFL players are there, whatever draftable players, however you define that. But I would say edge rusher is probably number one, just off you know off the top of my head. Receiver and corner are, are you know probably close, just again in terms of you know depth and overall talent. I mean, I I I like all three of those classes. So at that spot, you know, assuming that Hutchinson's gone at edge rusher, that Kayvon Thibodeau, look, even if he slides, I don't think he's getting past you know the. Seahawks at nine or the maybe the Jets at 10. I mean, I think there are enough teams up that high that are that are willing to put, roll the dice. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be a at best 50 50 uh, possibility to be there. Then you're looking at Jermaine Johnson, who I think is a dog. I really, really like the guy and, and he's grown on me so much since I started watching him at the beginning of the year. Didn't know a lot about him before the year and, and you know, by senior bowl, I was, I was ready to propose basically. So I like him as a ready-made player better than David Ojabo. I get why people look at Ojabo and say, you know, wow, what could he be in two or three years? And that's great if you're, you're patient, but I think Johnson's the better player right now. I don't think Carl Aftis goes off the board until about the, in the twenties. That's the, the, some of the mock draft stuff has been a little high on him. I, I believe personally, that's just my feeling talking to people, what have you. Um, and then at cornerback, I mean, they're, they're, it's really interesting because I think, you know, Sauce Gardner probably goes pretty high, probably above Minnesota, if I had to guess. 
Um, Trent McDuffie, short arms, not a big frame. He's he's a possibility there. I like him a lot. Derek Stingley, wild card of the group. Hasn't played a lot the last two years. Some some character concerns. I don't think anything terribly major, but enough to to do some work on him. The injury worries, obviously, as well. There's some other factors involved with him that 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 you know teams are gonna have. His dad is like very involved in the process, and you know how that goes. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's not. Um, and then I would say the other corners that have maybe first round potential, you know, Andrew Booth, Kyler Gordon, probably you know, could be had a little bit after where the Minnesota Vikings are picking. So, and what was the third position we talked about? Receiver. Receiver. Yes, of course. Wide receiver. I would say, you know, at that, that's about roughly where the first receiver is going to go off the board. I think, you know, whether it's Garrett Wilson would probably be a, a, a strong possibility. Maybe some team is just in love with Jamison Williams from Alabama and isn't worried about his ACL. They just think this is the best player at the position. We'll take him and we'll, you know, it's like taking Jeffrey Simmons high in the draft like the Titans did, knowing that he, you know most of his rookie year was going to be wiped out. Um, and then you get into the Burks from Arkansas, London from USC, Chris Olave, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, I would think there's there's a possibility that one or zero receivers are off the board at, at 12. So, you know, if they love Wilson or if they love Burks or London or what have you, it wouldn't shock me. But those other – those other defensive positions I think will be well-stocked. Yeah. I think uh, when you're talking about you know, what they should do, you got to look at a year down the road too. Sure. That, you know, if Adam Thielen's not here, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, edge rusher classes seem to be coming out all the time. There seem to be a lot of them in free agency, Yeah, uh, but cheap receivers who are stars, hard to find and extremely, extremely valuable, you know? So I, you know, I'm kind of being talked into receiver a little bit. If it's not a quarterback at that position, then again, we've seen some of the best receivers come from the second round. True. So, so sometimes they overlook somebody because of one skill or they didn't do X, Y, or Z at the combine. And then they end up being in the middle of the second round and turning into superstars. But I do feel like every year now is a great receiver crop and it's, it's unreal. Sort of changing the way that we have to think about like even who you pay at wide receiver yeah i you know i I, somebody asked me a few weeks ago like i said something to the effect of yeah this is it's rare that we have one position receiver be considered strong you know a top three or four position last year it might have been the the best position or two years ago even you know if you were ranking the, the 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 talent at each spot relative to it you know I credit it to like the seven on seven stuff that we see, you know, football becoming more of a year round sport and the youth sports and everybody wants to play two positions, quarterback receiver. Right. And so there, there's an influx of talent there that we really haven't seen since probably the golden age of the, you know, the AFL offenses of the sixties and seventies produced a lot when that, those passing offenses started gaining some notoriety, whatever. Uh, the post Jerry Rice drip, I think, obviously had a little bit of a buzz too, and we're in that kind of era now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm convinced. Even I'm going to rank them a certain way, and who I think is going to go where and everything. But I'm convinced, like you just said earlier, I think it was a great point. Second round wide receivers have a darn good track record, and there will be multiple second rounders, I think, who play outplay multiple first round receivers because I think we'll end up getting somewhere between. Mm, through four yeah like four to five in round one i would guess if i had to just throw a number out there so yeah i think we could get five or six or seven in round two and i would be willing to bet that 
you know, a George Pickens or a Sky Moore or John Mechie or what have you outplays, a, uh, you know, a Lave or Drake London or whoever, just because that's that's the way it's been kind of going. The depth is impressive. Is George Pickens related to Carl Pickens? No, I don't believe so. I, I have to double check, but I'm not Too 100%. Bad. Yeah, Carl Pickens is a fun little player lost on some of those uh, those, those bad Bengals teams there. Yeah. That's what I tweeted when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. It was like, this one's for Carl Pickens. <laughs> he used to I be was, rated so high in Madden. And he's, this guy's really yes. great, but no one's ever heard of him. I somebody there was a tweet out there at Super Bowl week and said like name a random Bengal and I picked Steve Tovar he was like this he had the largest pads first of all college football at Ohio State I believe I mean these pads they look like a V shape you know and I thought you know does this guy have the broadest shoulders of all time or the largest neck or both and so for like you know he'd probably play in the league a, de- a decade or something pretty good linebacker like every time I saw Tovar I'm like oh yeah dude that guy. Big pad guy. That's that was always my favorite Bengal for some reason. Remember Takeo Spikes' neck? Oh yeah. Oh my God. legendary neck. <laughs> Another really good neck was was Merton Hanks too. Like he oh, had this like, extendo slanky. neck. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, his celebration where he used to not you know bob his head up and down. We would do that in the backyard after uh, interceptions. <laughs> um, okay, last thing that I want to ask you is just. Uh, the Vikings are going to have to rebuild here. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way around it when you're so far over the cap and you are lacking yeah. seven positions uh, to be good enough to really compete for a Super Bowl. What, what do you think is the difference between teams who rebuild and quickly become competitive again and teams who end up like the Jets and Giants, where they are just stuck in this rut of hell. Because this is the thing that gets brought up all the time when I say, look, they've got to take a step back to take a step forward here. And it's, well, we can't become the Giants. We can't become the Jets. Which, right. of, of course, I mean, that is the worst fate you could suffer as a football fan to have your team just be bad for that long. And I was in Buffalo before this. Yeah. And uh, there was 20 years where they missed playoffs. 20 straight years. It was horrible. Crazy. So, ha- What's the difference between teams that do it right and teams that do it wrong? Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer, which everybody listening and, and you know as well, is like, well, you get better at quarterback, right? That could have the biggest immediate impact. But I think what, you know, what the Bengals showed last year, because, yes, Burrow was hurt, but they essentially went from Burrow to Burrow, and, and theoretically you couldn't guarantee that he would have been better last year coming off the ACL, you know, even though he had another year of experience and we figured he would play – you know, closer to his draft position and everything like that, and kind of a rare competitor and instincts and all that. But what they did was they 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 loaded up on their defense with free agents and they hit at a really high rate. You know, I mean, a couple didn't work out, right? Trey Waynes and, and one or two others, but you know, they were willing to spend money and they got better in special teams. The the kicker from Florida made a bunch of kicks. It, it's sort of like praying for an inside straight in poker. Like it, you can't really count on it happening, but. We've we've now seen it work where, sure, Burrow played better. You know, he had an unbelievable receiver to throw to in Jamar Chase. Wide receiver is a position that can can help boost the team as well. I think the, you know, if you want to do like an EPA added type of type of stat, I would bet that's one of the higher ones. But, you know, outside of quarterback, I think you can steal a couple games with some really good quality special teams. I, I this is more anecdotal than. Uh, analytic. I would think I'd have to sort of run the numbers on this one, but you know, I I've had conversations over the years where people feel like this is still an, an untapped area of football where if you have the right mentality, you have the right talent on those units, you and you're willing to maybe use some starters and coverage teams and things like that. 
you know, you can you can be really good on special teams and perhaps steal a game or two. It's it comes in handy for a, for a head coach who's either in his first year and wanting to build some some confidence or on the hot seat and needing to save his job. So, you know, I, I would think obviously not just drafting well and being smart with their free agent money, but I really think another thing that that people overlook is the undrafted pool. And this year in particular, I get the sense from agents, I get the sense from some scouting directors as well that, you know, because of the number of players who went back to school because of the COVID NCAA allowed them an extra year of eligibility, you know, it hasn't really resulted in a higher end group of talent come out. The top 10, 15 picks is kind of an ordinary year or below average this year, but the sheer number of people eligible this year is higher. So I think there are going to be some undrafted gems, and I think that the teams, you know, like the Vikings, you would assume with, with Quessy in charge now, would know that there is a there is a resource there that needs to be exploited. There, there is an there is a asset in putting a lot of work into the undrafted crop and dominating that facet because you'll come away with two or three players that are draftable quality. And the Vikings had that happen for them, uh, you know to succeed the first time around, not so much the second time, but you know, someone like Anthony Harris who became a huge yep. player for them sure succeeding. Did. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess my thing is the teams that rebuild and have success are able to build complete teams with a plan. And let's say that Joe Burrow wasn't the quarterback they picked. Let's say it was somebody, let's say it was Jalen hurts instead. So somebody who's uh, playable, but not yeah. anywhere near as good, like not going to be like a generational talent. Wouldn't we still be talking about Cincinnati going into next year? They wouldn't have made the Super Bowl, but going into next year, look at their cap space. Look at how they've built their roster. Absolutely. Look at the players that they've stacked up. And that's where it's like, oh, well, what if you move on and get the wrong quarterback? Right. But if you build that complete roster, then, well, one, Russell Wilson might just decide he's okay with being traded to you. Yes. And two, even if you you draft someone who's just okay, you've got a chance. So that's, that's my thing is use the cap space gain as much draft capital as you can and put everything into building a complete roster. And then if you hit on the quarterback, then you've got a chance to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. You you absolutely took the perfect example there, which is Denver and the line on them last year. But even before that too, for that matter, was that they have one of the best rosters in football outside of quarterback. If you eliminate that position Mm -hmm. and you just stack up, I don't know. I mean, whatever metric you want to use, right? Like PFF scores or, you know, the opinions of eight or 10 teams, you know, anonymously, somehow you could get that information. I think you would, you would argue that, you know, there are 50 non-quarterbacks on their draft roster, pretty darn good. So they have built that thing up. And I think George Payton is doing a really good job so far. I'm sure people are, you know, wistful there about the idea of, of him let, being, uh, you know, let, letting him walk away essentially. But, you know, this was, uh, he, he just won on an award for the, uh, you know, uh, the best rookie class from last year. He, I think he showed a master stroke in having a plan B with quarterback. Like, all right, Russ, I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers falls through. We've got a deal set to go for, for Wilson within hours. They were ready to strike and, and they felt confident in it. They didn't look back, no rear view mirror stuff. And they moved on and that was the way to do it. And guess what? It, you know, I think they got him for a song too. So Knowing how, what value in the league, you know, especially when it comes to, to trades and things like that, can also give you subtle little edges that, that nobody can really project. Yes, the Vikings could have had George Payton as their GM and Kevin Stefanski as their coach. That was on the table. 
they decided not to. And uh, hindsight, yeah, here we are. Yeah, well, that one you could have seen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying hindsight. I meant like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It was almost as clear then as as it is now. I think in some ways, yeah. Yep, that's a what if if the Vikings lose to New Orleans in the playoffs. Is that the case that here? Amazing? So, yeah. That's a good. Have you written about that before or talked about oh. that? You betcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good one. I like that a lot. I'm, I'll have to give you credit for uh, for that little anecdote. I like it. Yep, yep. Uh, I was told that day that if they lost and it wasn't good, everyone was going to go and they were going to have George Payton and Kevin Stefanski. Yep. Unbelievable. So, yeah, it's crazy. Um, anyway, well, Eric underscore Ed Holm on Twitter. Yahoo Sports is where you find him. One of the best draft reporters doing it. And uh, what's the uh, what's the chess.com ranking up to? What's the ELO rating? Ah, good question. Uh, I just had a draw last night. I, and I had a loss before that. I got to look. I think I'm I think I'm higher than I should be. I, 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 I feel like it's not reflective of my actual like what my number would be. But I think I'm around 17 or so. Whoa, 1700. Man, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I was so when I pandemic, I, I hadn't played in like 15 years, like since college, really. And I, you know, I obviously remember the rules, but I was terrible. I was losing to the uh, 1200 computer app and the 1300 consistently. But then I played every day from the start of the pandemic. And I've regained and even gotten better than I was before. So my wife and kids hate me, but I've gotten better chess. So. Man, our story is exactly the same. I played in <laughs> high school and yeah. pandemic. I My wife asked if I could teach her how to play. So yeah. then I got the chess.com app, which is unbelievable, awesome. by the way. I love it. It's I mean, so the, the it gives you data and analytics and how stupid you are and all the moves you should have made <laughs> and everything else. Uh, which can be soul crushing when you win a game. And then it's like, yeah, you played it like 50%. <laughs> you got like, lucky. Yeah, I won. One uh, with four yeah. blunders. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I, uh, I can beat the 2000 bots, but one wow. thing that I Good. hadn't done is played other people very often with, mm. with time control. Yeah. So let's just say I'm good at classical, but not so much rapid. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm not a rapid player. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I've, I'm learning I've lost... how to, the 10 minute not... game is just, uh, terrifying. Like you just get down to like a minute and you just, uh, I start making blunders all over the place. Yep, I mean, I won my first blitz game against the lesser player, and then I played someone, you know, slightly better in theory, and they just wiped the floor with me. You just have to, you realize, like, you're going to lose a bunch of games early on until you kind of get that feeling of like, well, don't look back. Let's just, you got, you made the move already. Let's go, you know. So it's it's it. I it also helps on that app with the openings too, because there's some times where I'm like, I only know the first three steps of an opening, or I don't know how. And you can kind of cheat and see what they are, right? So that's why I think my my grade is a little bit uh, out of whack. I think I'm I'm probably closer to a 15 or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm rooting for you to keep working up the uh, <laughs> the ladder there. I mean, yes. Sometimes you look up and you're like. I've been playing this for like two and a half hours. Like hours. I really should have been working. Yeah. The draft <laughs> is two months away, dude. Yeah, like right. you may want to put your phone in the closet for a bit. Yeah. Right. Uh, Eric, uh, great stuff. Great to get together again uh, with you. And uh, when I am next in Chicago covering yes. Vikings bears, we'll get together for some pizza. Okay. I insist, man. I got a, I got a couple spots. I think you'll like. All right. Perfect. We'll do it again soon, man. Thanks. All right, buddy. Take it.